Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Ludicrous Car Review. We're back from a short missing absence from uh, a road trip I took over in um, well, my favorite place to be, South Dakota. And then um, over the Labor Day weekend, um, I had a great time. I hope you all had an enjoyable Labor Day as well. Um, that's good because, well, we have a lot of news to catch up on. Let's just say there was a lot of stuff going on over the past week and that. So um, let's just say... We are a bit behind in the news segment, as well as we got a car to review that, um, honestly, I'm not really surprised, I'm not we're excited about. We have another, well, a boring announcement from GM, because I don't think GM has had anything exciting come out in the last know, 20 years or so. But anyways, we have a new Chevy to review, um, or not surprising to anyone probably, a electric vehicle. This thing comes in around $30,000, so I guess it's not the most pricey one, but uh, comparing the Bolt was dirt cheap compared to that it's just no surprise that well this should be well relatively cheap at least compared to that but hopefully a little bit better build quality let's just say not considering the dumpster fire that the bolt was anyways without further ado we'll get into the uh review section for a while and discuss this new vehicle gm's announcing as well as well a lot of news let's just say some interesting some a little disappointing others just Actually, some fun stuff coming out of Dodge, despite their, well, still rather ridiculous announcement, in my personal opinion. But anyways, on with the review, shall we? So, the car we're going to be talking about is the 2024 Chevrolet Equinox. It is a $30,000 electric SUV, and honestly, it's not horrible, to look at, at least, let's just say. This thing has about 300 miles of range, an optional all-wheel drive, and let's just say the price-wise is not bad. The Bolt was a little bit cheap, well, probably a little too cheap as far as build quality. So for 30000 I guess it's not horrible. But again, it's just another stereotypical SUV styling. Honestly, I'm not quite sure how many SUVs GM's going to come out with at this point. I've kind of lost track. I think they're in the 20s at this point. I think every brand of every type has at least like five or six of these things. I don't know why they keep coming out with them. I can only imagine they're cannibalizing half their own market for some reason. It just seems a little ridiculous. But I guess for around $30,000, I can kind of see the advantage to it maybe, considering the Ford Mach-E comes at a base price of about 45000 and the Honda Equinox comes at forty one. See, I think the cheapest one is the Volkswagen ID4, which is, well, a joke. That thing comes in at about thirty eight. So for 30000 that's not too bad. But considering their, well, slight reputation with fiery batteries, honestly, you can see a bit of a problem where... 
let's just say people might be still a little hesitant at the cheaper price point. But that being said, there's some news coming up a little later that you might notice that um, might cause another issue down the road. But anyways, it's got 300 miles of range, which again, to me personally, is just quite, quite enough. When most cars nowadays are getting the least, with a gasoline vehicle, you can get the 500 miles of range, and on top of that, top it off in two minutes. 15 minutes and that to charge up a car just really isn't worth it. So overall, it's a stereotypical hatchback in that. We don't really have a whole lot as far as the numbers go for this thing. Um, I think it has a few different trim options with a few different horsepowers in that. Um, let's see. Ah, okay, here we go. Um, the price point starts with a front-wheel drive 1LT trim. It's good for 210 horsepower and 242 pounds of brake with an estimated 250 miles range. Wait a minute. 210 horsepower. That's actually pretty dang wimpy for this thing. I mean, considering electric vehicles and that, I don't mean, you think big power in that, and it doesn't really have that much range to match it either. This has got to be a pretty lightweight vehicle with a small battery. Um, you can currently upgrade to a larger battery pack to boost the range to about 300 miles. While all-wheel drive versions, which are only offered with the big battery, it should deliver about 280 miles per charge. Which again, it isn't really that impressive. That's pretty short range. Um, this larger all-wheel drive option has 290 horsepower and 346 foot-pound supports. Contrary to similar models from the Porta Maki, it makes almost 56 less, or 56, yeah, the Maki makes almost 56 more horsepower than the Equinox EV. But presumably with a serious price premium, but even then, I don't know, it just 56, it just seems a little wimpy to be honest. And considering these cars weigh like a metric ton, I mean, Dang, that's got to be, it's got to be a bit of a putz on the road. Uh, the DC charge session, as in the, I'm sorry, uh, it can add to about 70 miles of range in less than 10 minutes if you get one of those DC fast charging stations, which again, it just isn't fast enough. I mean, the fact is, is that, I mean, let's face facts here. If you get only 70 miles out of it in 10 minutes, I mean, that's kind of abysmal really when, like I said, the problem is you can get 500 miles of range out of a gas car and two seconds or two minutes if you want to take it in serious thing anyways this thing goes all the way up to apparently a i think a 3rs trim model which can operate to a 9.2 kilowatt capacity which ranges to 51 miles per hour i don't know it i don't know let's just say the car just doesn't come off as impressive to me looking at the exterior of the car it looks kind of like another stereotypical boring, I don't know, GM SUV. It's nothing really that stands out to me as unique or special. Again, it's very slopey, very kind of, I don't know how to say it. It almost, almost looks a little weird, almost to the point where it slopes a little too much. Like the windshield's like, I don't know, too far back. And the proportions just seem a little off to me. It's almost like a car tr trying to pretend to be an SUV, which it is an SUV, and with a weird hatch back on the end. Um, I'm not a big fan of the rear end. I feel as though it is a little odd to have a hatchback that sticks out like a bumper of a car and yet merges with the windshield and looks like, um, I don't know, you're cutting off a good 90% of your cargo space. I think it's a little asinine and silly. Um, as far as the exterior goes, um, it's got a, a almost like a frown-shaped grille. I'm not sure how to describe it, to be honest. Um, taillights aren't too bad. I think it's kind of cool how they protrude off the uh, Chevy emblem, actually. I don't think the headlights are, like, taillights are that bad, actually. Um, so overall, expressions of the front of the car, it kind of looks like your stereotypical, I don't know, Chevy SUV. Um, the only thing I could say is an advantage is, is that the passenger compartment at least has doesn't have 50% of their viewing capacity taken up by the B-pillar. But there's one problem I've also noticed with these cars, especially with these large sloping windows from GM. 
and I've actually viewed one of these cars as well. There's one major problem I have noticed. Um, the ability to see out of your own dang vehicle. Now, I get they have all the fancy camera detectors and beeper sensors and everything else like that, but the problem is, it's just hard to see out of the dang things. I mean, the windshield and the side windows and that are just so small. It's just like, it feels like you're squished in a little, like, lead sled type vehicle back in the 40s and that it's just it's a little silly to me why they have they haven't can just make normal windows but they gotta have these big body lines that make it hard to see out of i don't know it's it's a weird design choice as far as the interior goes again um the vent choices i guess are a little cool getting into the interior um the first thing that strikes me are those vents on the thing it's kind of got a weird like almost like turbine jet retro style look on the things which I actually don't mind them. They look kind of cool, but um, the interior is your stereotypical GM interior. It's not anything to write home about or anything that's spectacular. Um, it's got your standard two-tone designs with the swoopy lines to it and that um, bazillion screens and buttons up to the wazoo and that. But again, again, my stereotypical complaint on the thing, while they go for that hyper stripped-down modern look, can we just build a dashboard around a freaking screen for just once? Are we getting that lazy designers? I mean, come on, just, all right, well, we don't know what to put the uh, dashboard in there, so we're going to put it super sloped down, and then we're going to just paste a couple iPads on the top of it. Just build the dashboard around the dang thing. But then I look at it, you probably couldn't do that because it would obscure what tiny little vision you have out of the front windshield. Um, the two-tone seats, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't think they look bad, but it's just... I don't know, it's nothing really to write home about. They've been using the same steering wheel as my big complaint, though. I've been seeing this steering wheel pop up in every freaking GM car. It's like, can we just design a different steering wheel for our different vehicles and that? It's just, I don't know, do something a little different? I don't know, I'm not impressed with the interior all that much. Again, it's nothing really to write home about or anything that's spectacular. So overall, the interior, again, it just doesn't hit me big. It's got a big touchscreen in that, and, but one gripe I've had, and I've actually looked at these touchscreens before, is that GM has a tendency, and a lot of brands do actually, to pull their screen in that out towards the passenger side, just push it away from the driver. And I've often thought, like, well, they're often bragging about how safety concerns are, but when we adopt more of Dodge's approach, where it has the screen up and down, where the driver can actually reach it and not have to take his whole body off the road to lean over and play around with his touchscreen in that, I don't know. I just I just think it'd be a lot more convenient to take adopt that more vertical approach to the screen, which I haven't thought of at first until it. So overall, again, it's nothing really spectacular right home about the front end, I guess doesn't look too bad. It just looks a little weird with the headlights in that. Um they're a little narrow, just kinda of weird like lines on it. Overall I'm just not impressed with the vehicle. It's just another stereotypical GM crossover SUV they built. I don't think it looks horrible. I just think we could try to produce something a little different. It's getting a little monotone here. I mean, so overall, I mean, the price point, you can't deny, is cheap. But then again, you get what you're paying for. It's very underpowered. The battery range is disappointing beyond belief. It's just like 250 miles for the strip-down model. I mean, that's that's like barely enough if I could be counted as a commuter car. I mean, and it takes 10 minutes to charge up 70 miles. It just... I don't know. As more of these car companies go to electric, I just question how well that's actually going to plan out. Especially with recent problems with California having to go to blackouts and that. What do you do? Wake up in the morning and go, eh, sorry boss, I can't come to work. My whole entire home was shut off and uh, I couldn't charge my car to go to work, so I guess I'm off. I don't know. I think it's silly to go to EV vehicles, but I don't know. That's a complaint for other times, let's just say. So overall, my impressions of the 2024 Chevy Equinox is it ain't horrible, but it's just 
nothing that spectacular. I'm a little disappointed. While the price is cheap, I'm a little disappointed in every other option of the vehicle. It's monotone, boring, and just to flat out say it, the power is disappointing as well as the range. So overall, eh, it's just not a good car in my opinion. It's just way too disappointing to be anything spectacular. So overall, yeah, i just not impressed. So anyways, with my impressions of the Chevrolet Equinox out of the way, let us get on to the news segment, which has quite a bit of news coming out of it, and I mean a lot. Some really cool features actually coming out from Apple, actually, that um, struck me. So um, anyways, on to the news, shall we? So to start off with, as I mentioned before, the Apple... I for the Apple iPhone 14. Yes, I can speak. Yes, Series 8 watch also will get an OnStar Link crash detection feature. So apparently this device now connects you to emergency services if you apparently let's see. Yes. So basically it's got like a emergency call screen both on your phone and your watch that apparently if you let's see here. Uh apparently actually if you just wear the watch or have the phone on you these things actually detect if you've been in an accident and apparently dials emergency services i do have to wonder how long it's going to be before somebody smacks this thing real hard and assumes it's been an accident but honestly this is kind of a cool feature that the idea not to have to I don't know, dial up phones or anything else like that it is pretty dang cool Apparently, it'll catch it on nine. Um, if it detects you've been in an accident, it'll actually dial nine one one regardless of any vehicle you have. So you don't necessarily have to have I, the OnStar Chevrolet thing. You just have anything with OnStar. So honestly, it is kind of a cool feature that I think, uh, I th fortunately for some people, might actually come in handy. It actually connects to GPS and Wi-Fi spots, so the operator can figure out where you are, even if you're not necessarily hooked up to Wi-Fi or have any kind of cell reception. And uh, it's also, um, I don't know, just a pretty cool feature, honestly. I guess it uses the accelerometers and gyroscopes to figure this stuff out. But like I said, I have to wonder how long it's going to take before suddenly you get a police showing up at your door. Like, where's the accident? You're, you may have accidentally taken a sip off the treadmill or something. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, kind of interesting how um, a lot of these features that I honestly never would have had. Stuff that you wouldn't have imagined even 20 years ago being existing just... I don't know. It's just cool. There's no way around it. Anyways, in other news, uh, if you are a fan of the um, 20 Toyota GR Supra, there is big news for 2023. Supra has finally got a manual drive. Yep, manually driven. Honestly, this is kind of a big thing I've seen pop up lately. The manual cars have been making quite a bit of a comeback. Um, it may be an attempt to kind of resurrect what little is left of what people call ice vehicles now, or motor vehicles, gasoline-powered, I don't know, environmental ruiners. Basically, it's kind of a last-ditch attempt to get people kind of hyped up for these cars and kind of bring back a spirit of the old days, I guess. And manual cars are just, in a lot of people's opinions, funner to drive, while there's no doubt about it that the automatic is still supreme when it comes to racing. I mean, let's face it, it's shift a lot more accurate than we can. It's just fun to drive and provides a lot more important experience. But there's one thing I have noticed, to be honest. There's not a whole lot of American cars producing out manual transmissions, which just seems odd to me. You know, like the muscle cars and sports cars and that. You think that we'd be the ones or all the fancy ones, but no, it's always these Toyotas and Civics and that to have all these manual options in the car. You may think that, uh, I don't know, anyone else would actually get into it in the American side. I think the only ones still producing a stick are, well, Camaro's going out, so they don't have any more. Chevrolet, the Corvette doesn't have a manual. The only ones that have manuals left are the Dodge... 
Charger and Challenger, no, Challenger has it. Although that's going on for this year. I think the Charger has a weird link system that's coming up for the new ones. Um, and then Mustang, that's about it. That's the only ones that got manual left in the U.S. A lot more foreign cars making it. So if you're interested in buying manuals and that, I don't know, maybe check out a Supra. You might actually be pleasantly surprised. Um, what other news we got? Okay, we got news from Rivian and Mercedes-Benz. You know, Rivian has kind of surprised me, to be honest. I mean, it's always been a bit of a weird car company. I actually finally saw my first Rivian week or two ago and honestly it's a car company that has despite not really doing anything like tesla level stuff producing billions of cars or something like that the fact is, is that it has kind of kind of cemented itself pretty well into the automotive fabric we see nowadays rivian is actually teaming up with mercedes uh, to tackle the european electric van market and kind of a picture of a concept vehicle and doesn't look bad i guess i don't know i just i can't get over rivian's like wally style headlights i don't know it's just a weird design feature that i just had just way too quirky for me anyways um these vans are to be honest a new joint investor built between the two electric car company commercial vans for the european market it's supposed to be efficient manufacturing setup basically they're going to be combining facilities to make these type of fancy ass vans for work and for well van lifers or whatever those people call themselves anyways um the deal hasn't been finalized yet. They're just sharing release statements and just kind of going over some preliminary details and that. But if this deal does go through, we might see Rivian kind of begin to cement itself in a more firm position. Anyways, and more, well, abysmal news from GM and what I mentioned earlier with the Equinox, well, not really being that big of a deal yet, is because GM CEO Marabara has says... The chip shortage could stretch beyond 2023. Yep, next year and beyond. Honestly, while most car these car companies have, they're still struggling quite a bit. There's no doubt about that. But the slowing in sales and the ability to kind of catch up has put most of them in a pretty firm spot. GM, despite everything, has seems to be the only car company that is completely falling apart and falling flat on its face in this chip crisis and that. I don't know what they're doing or what they refuse to do that's causing these constant problems for them but gm is really the only one that seems to be struggling with this while other car companies like i said are still having problems gm is the one that's really been kicked in the teeth by this problem and including recalls and everything else with their electric vehicles and a bunch of other problems it's really putting a hamper on their ability to actually produce vehicles the issue is eased up a bit within the last six months or so but um we might be out of the silicone force yet as morton reported during the interview with CBS Morning, uh, it says, given the early preview of the 2024 Chevrolet Equinox EV during the segment, one of the reporters asked Burra about supply chain issues, which she pointed out the semiconductor shortage is the main culprit and predicted that it could last all the way past 2023. Again, I'm a little disappointed. Like I said, GM is the only one that seems to really be kind of like I said, kicked in the teeth by this yet. Like I said, other car companies are struggling, but... GM, I mean, come on, get your act together, especially if you're going to be producing all these new vehicles and that. Um, another interesting news out of Toyota on that, the GR8 sports car gets turbochargers, but there's a bit of a catch. These fully built 8.6s with GR Corolla-driven turbocharger three-cylinder engines, um, the 8.6 has kind of been a well, kind of a staple for Toyota in the last, well, forever in that. But um, it's bumped up the displacement power in the latest uh, generations of the GR86. It is clearly nothing short of boosted motor power to satisfy the turbofans. However, it is a bit of a problem with this thing. You might, 
manage imagine a number of caveats to these problems. Um, let's just say Toyota indeed built a small number of turbocharged 86, and uh, let's just say not everybody's going to be able to get one of these things. It also, um, I don't know, it's just unconventional configuration. Unfortunately, it doesn't appear that by testing the consumer g86 toyota will use the cars in the japanese races and that but other than that apparently it is not going to be an option that everybody can get their hands on apparently they're going to only produce a very limited number of them for well i don't know weird reasons i don't know to me if you're going to produce one of these vehicles like this where you're going to make a big deal out of it turbochargers all fancy and super powered vehicle i don't know maybe make it available to almost anybody i don't know it just a little bit weird. They've apparently an eternal philosophical battle with the 86 chief engineer, who is quite adamant about maintaining a certain balance between handling and power characteristics up to this point, has got his wish that the 86 and his cousins remained affordable, rear-wheel drive coupes with modest power, excellent handling, and directness. Okay, I guess that's the way to put it. That only natural aspect engines can provide. So apparently, like I said, it's going to be kind of produced in a rather limited number. And on top of that, like I said, they're having a bit of an internal battle with, well, not everybody be on board with souping up these cars. So like I said, it's like I said, you're kind of trading off your power and handling that they've always bragged about for a little bit more power. But honestly, I personally don't see any problem with that. All right. Um, I've kind of saved this last chunk of news for last because it's basically a large amount of news coming out of Stellantis. Mostly out of job and a dodge and a lot out of Jeep. So, what do we got for today? Well, as I announced before a few weeks ago during the um, slight hint about the uh, announcement of the Charger, they're going to be producing a lot of uh, final edition cars for these years. And one of the big ones that they're going to be announcing for the Scat Pack is the Swingers. If you did not know, the Swinger was a car built during the... Um, 60s to 70s and it was built for the um, Dodge Dart packages now these swingers were kind of like basically drag model of the cars so apparently Dodge Chargers and Challengers will both be getting these it has a retro style green with a sort of like a backstripe on them with the lighter green swinger logo on it and apparently the shaker hood on the Dodge Challenger gets a gray look to it a little bit more like the old style ones there are a few different design options for this as well apparently this is coming in the package of F8 green but you can also order in subline green and white knuckle now these exterior covers by swinger will get the bumblebee stripe and the gold school paint theme elements like the badges and their by 11 or 20 by 11 wheels the challenger is equipped with a shaker package with a gold school painted functional shaker hood basically it's going to be a slightly off-tone paint with it so overall these cars actually look pretty dang cool um again these are going to be more these are more geared for kind of like exterior appearance packages now, these are kind of the big things they apparently get the um some interesting design choices in that but it doesn't really do a whole lot with the power category it's just more like i said more of an exterior color choice that uh, kind of goes back to basically arguing back to a boatload of retro styling that they're going to have another news from dodge the dodge suv lineup has got a first ever hornet phev basically a hybrid so in sticking with their themes of one last coup de gras 
The Dodge Durango is bringing back the Durango Hellcat for the 2023 year. The 710 horsepower three rule initially debuted in 2021 in very limited numbers, and at the time Dodge said it would be a single model year offering for emissions and fuel economy restrictions. But software tweaks in the brand's first electrified vehicle, more than we discussed the week before, meant that Dodge folks could bring back the Hellcat without ballooning the automaker's corporate average fleet emissions. Basically, this is going to be a, well, gas guzzler, let's just say. <laughs> the most powerful Dodge SUV ever returned for 2023, unchained from 2021. Expected price point is in the mid-80,000s. Again, this is not a poor person's car or an average person's car. This is if you need to get your kids to soccer practice like a bat out of hell. Anyways, it ranges from 0 to 60 in 3.4 seconds, quicker than the Dodge Challenger or Charger, which to me always surprised the hell out of me, but I guess it is all-wheel drive. A supercharger striking under the hood will basically haul ass faster than any other person on the block. That being said, um, let's just say fuel economy will be affected, but I don't think that's your concern when you're buying one of these things. Now we move on to the Dodge Hornet. Again, I am disappointed that they're calling this thing a Hornet, but you know... Again, um, the new small SUV for the 2023 Hornet Dodge will be built to the same platform that corporate sibling Alfa Romeo's new Talente. Oh shit, that's what it's based on? Oh, bloody hell. Um, I'm not really... Uh, just... Uh. They used to be based on Mercedes cars, I guess I can't say a whole lot for the old Chargers, but I mean, Alfa Romeo? Well, um, anyways, um, not that it has a lot of common. The Hornet is the all-new model for Dodge, aims squarely at the compact SUVs, which I absolutely despise at this point, like the Toyota RAV4 and the Honda CR-V. This is their first crack at a segment. Um, it's a standard all-wheel drive with a turbocharger four-cylinder, cranking out about 265 horsepower. Four-cylinder. I thought they were making a hurricane engine hmm. i guess it's not for this one um the hornet is actually a subcompact but it with performance dying the price is around thirty thousand, which aims for the compact segment which ain't too bad um it has the but that's just the base hornet gt the flagship hornet rt will be powered by a plug-in hybrid four-cylinder um it's good for a claim 36 miles of pure electric charge which don't quite see the point and 2 to 60 time in 5.1 seconds which is pretty dang fast actually all things considered um apparently that would be the quickest in its class there are multiple performance options for also these segments as well overall i think um there's i don't know let's face facts here the the cornet was always a bit of a or the horn i should say was kind of more of a all muscle car, everything they did was a muscle car. This is kind of a safe play from Dodge that I think, unfortunately, while they may sell a decent number of them, I think they're going to quickly come to regret. Like I've mentioned before, Dodge has kind of cultivated quite the fan base, and I don't think many people are looking in this fan base to buying a Dodge stereotypical, boring, run-of-the-mill, freaking, I don't know, compact SUV. Why they're making this is freaking beyond me does it look that cool no it just looks like another boring suv i guess it's got a little cooler hood i guess but i mean it's just nothing spectacular i mean boring yes disappointing yes it's just i don't know it the move is beyond me anyways in other news that honestly i prefer much better the jeep wagoneer now the wagoneer has been a bit of a, a hit and a miss well Many people love the exterior, the car overall, and the interior as being super luxury and 
a great car, and the some people say the suspension's great. Other people have complained, especially in my family at least, that the exterior needs a little bit to be desired. But that being said, they, um, let's just face it, it's a large SUV, and everybody's boasted about, especially in GM's case with their suburban models and that, that they're going to be the first ones to electric, blah, 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 blah. Well, Jeep is already hitting back, apparently. Which is surprising, considering that Jeep basically, and Stellantis in general, Dodge and Jeep have been kind of the stagnant ones in the electric market, and seem to have suddenly burst onto the scene with a boatload of options. Anyways, the Jeep Wagoneer S, the new 600 horsepower, and you heard me right, yep, 600 horsepower, coupe-like electric SUV that is coming soon. It is a mid-sized premium electric SUV that expands the Wagoneer family. Um, this is kind of looks a bit, it's a little bit, I guess, larger than the Hornet, but smaller than the Durango. I don't know, it's kind of a, again, another crossover, I guess you could say. It's eh, not quite. I don't know, there's only some preliminary pictures out there, so there's not a whole lot about it yet. Apparently, it's going to have a boatload of power, and apparently, according to them, also a really good amount of range as well. Apparently, around 400 miles. Overall, the Jeep Wagoneer has been a big hit for them. The Wagoneer S will be the SLA large platform, presumably with dual motors. Um, so yeah, so the Dodge the Wagoneer family has been a big expansion for Jeep, and it's kind of becoming its own little brand segment. Jeep has always kind of lacked, or basically been their only option for large SUVs, and they've had Cherokees and all that stuff, but they've kind of struggled to make anything out there that really stands out, so hopefully this will be a little better option for them going down the road. Again, I'm not a big fan of more mid-size SUVs, and I think the world needs more of them, but I guess they are selling like hotcakes, so Dodge and Jeep should probably start getting in on the motion, I guess. I can see why they're making them. I just personally don't care for them. In other news from Jeep, and more EVs in that case, the 2024 Jeep Recon EV. And apparently, this is not a Recon or a Wrangler or anything of the sort. Looking at photos and that, the car is kind of a crossover between... Well, honestly, it looks a little bit like... You know, the old... Uh, what do they call them? Renegades, I think? Yeah, Jeep Renegades. It's like a mixture between a Jeep Renegade and a Wrangler. It would be the best way to describe it, even though they say this, how you should describe it. Anyways, um, apparently it's got some really good SUV acceleration, and considering Jeep now has renounced their Grand Cherokee plugins and their Wrangler 4XE, this is apparently another basic burst into the market for producing more electric vehicles, which again, is a bit surprising that Jeep and all that seems to have come out of this practically all at once. Apparently... It's not as, well, let's just face it, off-roady as the Wrangler. But apparently, it's actually a pretty good 4x4 crossover between the two of them. It's uh, got squared-off headlights, which they've been hired that before, and that wasn't super popular, but we'll see. Um, it's apparently every bit as capable as the 4x4 Rubicon Trill-Ready right out of the chute, according to the uh, Jim Morrison over at Jeep. And overall, I don't, looking at the pictures of it, um... I actually don't look half bad. I'm not a huge fan of the exterior styling on the front, but overall, it's kind of like your mixture, kind of like, it seems to be kind of slightly breaking into the market that the, um, what is it, let's see, oh yeah, the old uh, Bronco Sports are. Not quite a Bronco Sport, though. It's kind of weird. I'm not quite sure where to put this vehicle. It ain't quite like your off-road crazy nut job guy, but it ain't quite your, I don't know, shopping mall, run-of-the-mill sort of off-road roadie vehicle it's kind of in a weird segment that i'm not quite sure 
where to put it. It overlaps heavily with the Wrangler, but it's not quite Wrangler capabilities. But then again, it's not quite road capabilities easier. Apparently, the all-new electric SUV is trying to leverage some of the popular Wrangler's magic, while also still making it still accessible to the average person. So, um, overall, what this means for the anticipated all-new electric Wrangler, keep warning, apparently they don't intend to release that anytime soon. Apparently this is probably what they're going to be using to kind of stev off the full electric Wrangler, because honestly there's a lot of problems that come with off-road wrangling and especially with electric. Anyways, they promised the production of the recon will be shown in 2023, and the customer vehicles will roll off starting 2024. So overall, the vehicle doesn't look bad, I guess. Like I said, it's just I'm struggling to find out where to put it. Like I said, it looks a tiny bit like a weird monstrous crossover between a little bit of a yeah, a little bit of a Bronco. Yes, I said Bronco from the side. Um, a Wrangler with a large sprinkling of Jeep Renegade. Like I said, it doesn't look great from the front. It's a good side profile, just a little disappointing from the front. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this vehicle yet. I need to kind of see until they actually produce this vehicle. We'll kind of look at it a little closer then. But um, apparently it's... A lot of people are have a lot of high hopes for this thing. I don't know. We'll have to see. So, that's the final news from Jeep and Dodge and everybody else. So, overall the news wasn't horrible this week. Um, some sad news from GM with their chip shortage and then a lot of news coming out of Jeep and Dodge in the last few weeks about EVs and that. Like I said, from a car company that basically went from having absolutely nothing and basically pure V8 horsepower, which I liked, to a company that suddenly practically half their vehicles are now electric, it's a bit of a shocker to me and definitely quite a fast-moving play. I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out for them, like I've often said before. If you're going to be doing this, at least provide some sort of transition period for people to get and get acclimated and acclimated to this new Jeep and Dodge. We'll have to see... Um, kind of leery of how fast they're moving about this i mean gives people some time but i guess as long as they're not taking away too much while still giving people the option i don't know not much to say about it anyways that does it for the news for today and um yeah that's about it Anyways, I appreciate you all checking out the show. If you're interested in, well, anything else, I actually finally have gotten my website up for the final bit of news. Yep, um, it's not anything fancy, and I do plan on adding a blog section where maybe down the road I can kind of create forums and that. But for now, it'll give you a link to where you can find my podcast, a little bit about it as well. So if you're interested, uh, check that out. It is lcreviewer.com. Again, that is lcreviewer.com. I have a link to it in well, practically all my little Spotify sections and that. Anyways, I appreciate you all checking me out. Uh, please give a like or subscribe or a uh, rating wherever you can see the button and option. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you all. Have a great day and a wonderful night. Goodbye.